Our next guest on Sunday Extra is the author of a searing personal memoir in more ways than one. It's called Raised by Wolves and it's written by Jess Ho. Jess has been food and wine editor for Time Out Melbourne and is the producer and host of the SBS podcast Bad Taste and also has more than a decade experience working in the hospitality industry and Jess gives a no-holds-barred account of those experiences in Raised by Wolves, which is their first book. Jess will be taking part in a food fight at the Perth Festival. I kind of hope that is literally true, but it's also the title of her session with Jason Fu about Australia's obsession with Asian food and celebrity chefs. Jess Ho, welcome to Sunday Extra. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure. Jess, could you tell us a little bit about the, the role of food in your life growing up? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I eat every day. Uh, I'm very good <laughs> at it. Um, but I guess, you know, it's central to an Asian family in that, you know, it's that classic cliche where people go, you don't say, how are you? You go, have you eaten? And mm. that's really how you relate to each other. It's through food. It replaces encouragement or positive reinforcement. And, you know, somehow I ended up working in it and it became my life. I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about your relationship with the food industry, Jess, because you, you write in Raised by Wolves that it was an industry that had abused, stalked, harassed, sexually assaulted, intimidated, belittled, gaslit, bullied, discarded and overworked you, um, which is not really a reference for the industry, but it also seems to be in some ways a place where you found a kind of home and some kindred spirits. Yeah, it's one of those industries, unfortunately, that is completely unregulated uh, in the sense of, you know, the way that the treatment of staff and the way that the general public interact with them. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it is very close to my heart because, one, you do gain access to incredible experiences. You meet incredible farmers and producers, people with fantastic ideas, brilliant, brilliant, you know, chefs, people with insane palates, uh, and they're all kind of just as crazy as you. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start thinking that you might want to work in food and hospitality? And what do you think made for the, the kindred spirits that you found in the industry? Um, well, it was, wasn't really a path I thought I was going to do forever. Uh, but one of the first proper jobs in hospitality that I was in, I met this chef who was a brilliant chef uh, and he was more interested in cooking than in fame. And it was, you know, pre-internet era, pre-cooking shows turning chefs into celebrities era. Mm. And, you know, there wasn't Instagram, uh, broadsheet wasn't out yet, um, you know. <laughs> and I think we all did it because we were all, we all knew we didn't quite fit into regular nine to five life and but still enjoyed what we did and worked really hard and we were learning on the job and you know it wasn't that thing where you measured yourself against someone uh with your education or your status <laughs> or your family name it was are you good at your job and do we get along <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, obviously you had some pretty harrowing experiences in the industry, but also it was a, a sort of escape. And in Raised by Wolves, you uh, write about the way you were treated by your mother and the fact that you moved out of home at the age of 15 and also the experiences of dealing with racism. I wonder if you could tell us as much as you're comfortable of talking about those sorts of things now. 
Well, it's really odd because, you know, it's people talk to me these days and they're like, oh, you know, it's not as bad as it was. And it's kind of like, well, it is. You just don't see it because you're not, Mm. you're you're white. (laughs) Um, And it happens in different ways. It happens with microaggressions. It happens blatantly. It happens with ignorance. Um, And, you know, whether that is a simple fetishization of food without understanding it or, a new restaurant opening and everyone going crazy for it and you're going, wait a second, no one from that culture that is being cooked at this restaurant is involved in the project and, you know, the entire team are like, we went on holiday for a week, fell in love with it, now we're experts. It's kind of like, well, no, you're not and you can't really call yourself an expert and you don't have the cultural understanding of the food, the history, the geography, uh, the politics to understand what things are meant to taste like and what they represent. Mm. Assuming, by example, you know, fine dining can only look one way, that is putting a white lens over the dining experience and it's saying that eating in a banquet style or eating with your hands is not as valid. Yes, and you, you do talk about how European dining structures constrict our sense of what food is and can be and should be. Could you unpack that a little bit more for us? Well, you know, we live in white Australia and, you know, that has obviously come from, you know, the British. The British have always looked towards French dining and even food, the way that it's been structured uh, for everyone to learn is the French way. And I remember being in school doing my certs to be a chef and then going, here's a knife for this, here's a knife for this, here's a knife for this, and you have to use them all this way. And I'm like, hmm, hang on a second. My father and my uncle are incredible Cantonese chefs and they only use a cleaver for everything. You know, what's to say that they're doing it incorrectly? And the idea that French food is the pinnacle Um, And then obviously, you know, the way that service is done and it's all kind of broken down over the years because of wealth or money or migration. Uh, And (laughs) you see it these days as well. Uh, People are like, oh, you know, it's been elevated. It's been this. And it's like, so you put it on a white plate and you're serving it with the wrong cutlery where there's tablecloths and, you know, it's, it's kind of all an approximation. It's not what it should be. Let's take Korean food, for example. If it's served in like a modern way, it is fine dining, but you're forgetting that there's royal cuisine, Mm. which is the fine dining that exists already. And I think it's fair to say, Jess, that um, fusion is one of your pet hates, fusion food. Could you tell (laughs) us why that's the case Um, and perhaps some of the experiences that really uh, tweak that nerve for you? Oh, well, fusion... It kind of comes from a place of a lack of education and the ego of a particular person going, if I do this with this cuisine and fuse it with another cuisine, I will make it better. But it's kind of like you're not from either of these cultures and how do you know it's better? Is it better because your palate is infantile or is it better because it actually is better and you've got a full understanding of it and if someone from either culture eats it, they understand it internally and innately and can deconstruct it and bring it back to the original dish. You know, for me, I think fusion is quite lazy and 
a very colonialist idea. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with Jess Ho, author of the new memoir, Raised by Wolves, and Jess is appearing at the Perth Festival shortly. Uh, Jess, you uh, really are not one to pull your punches, and it, I, I loved that on the dedication page of your book, you write, if you're in my life and don't recognise yourself in these stories, consider yourself lucky. If you do, I'm sorry. Um, how did you find <laughs> the process of writing about people so close to you and your life? And do you have a sense of how they've found the fact that you've written about them? Oh, well, the funny story is that, you know, where no one is incriminated, I kind of put in there and I obscure everyone's names anyway. So it's really <laughs> on a if you, if you know, you know basis. <laughs> but for people who could be easily identified and incriminated, I messaged them first. I was like, hey, do you mind if I tell this story? And they're like, ha, 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 of course, go crazy. Uh, like no one actually said no. And I, it was more after the fact I had a few friends and they're like, why didn't you tell this story? It's so much funnier than what was in the book. And I'm like, oh, because we can still go to jail for that. <laughs> Well, look, I must say, after reading the dedication page, I didn't expect that there'd be a queue of people wanting to be in your next book, but that's good to hear that people are happy uh, with the outcome and, and that there may be more uh, gory details to come. Uh, now, what about writing about the really personal family stuff? How hard was that for you? And did you, uh, you, know, did, did you find the process of writing about it change your perspective on your own early years? Uh, well, it's really strange because obviously as an adult, you're like, oh, I've gone through this and I haven't thought about it in many years and I've done the therapy thing and I've done the hard work and all that stuff. And then you sit down and you write about it and you're like, hmm, it still sucks. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's like luckily I, because I, and I am a huge fan of therapy, um, you know, it doesn't ruin you in the way that it did as it was happening and I've kind of worked through all those feelings already. How have your close family members uh, reacted to um, the, the non-linear account that you've given of your last 30 years in Raised by Wolves? Um, well, my sister read it and she was just like very, very accurate. Um, <laughs> she's like, you could have gone harder. Um, but like, you know, my parents haven't read it because uh, they – don't want to pay $30 for a book and I don't have a relationship with them. Mm, mm. Um, and all my cousins live overseas. So the ones who have managed to get a copy, they're all kind of like passing it to one another and they're like, oh, that's so true. Uh, you frame the book, uh, I suppose, with two scenes of um, sitting next to a fish tank and around a, a lazy Susan. Uh, you're right that now you're, you're stable, content and safe with the family that you've chosen. How did you get to that place, Jess Ho? Oh, that is a really good question. I would say with luck, by accident, and um, knowing when to cut the wrong people out. <laughs> yeah, so in terms of cutting people out, you, as I said, you, um, you, you certainly don't have sentimental feelings towards uh, your time working in the industry. Was it important, do you think, for you to, to uh, move on from the, the hardcore work life of being a proprietor and working in such a, a cutthroat industry? Oh, yeah, I think it was very important for me to 
not only get sick of working in hospitality, but burn out in it because I don't have those feelings of, you know, if I go past a venue that's empty going, mm, why don't I, why don't I put something in there? You know, my first reaction is, oh, that, that sounds awful. And I guess a lot of people are like, oh, would you ever open a venue again? And, you know, I guess I kind of wrote this book as a way to be like, Definite no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think. Read the book and you'll be very clear on the answer to that. Um, but what you are really about is great food and non-pretentious food. Given those criteria, what are your favourites, Jess? Oh, I guess, you know, it's one of those things where if I have a friend come from out of town, I will take them to my favourite wine bar. I will take them to the little mum and pop place that's, you know, out in the suburbs that make incredible food that has zero atmosphere <laughs> and, you you know, you might have to walk up to the counter a few times to ask for a napkin, but the food is spectacular. And that's where I enjoy dining. Um, there are a few times where I'll do fine dining and uh, I recently was overseas and went to a restaurant in Taiwan and I was like, oh, this is kind of, you know, given me faith in fine dining again. <laughs> Well, that's good to hear. Uh, do you feel that the uh, the place of Asian food in Australian culture and food culture has matured or improved much over the time you've been working in the industry? Um, I will say yes and no. <laughs> I think a lot of diners are a lot more educated uh, palate-wise in Asian food and what is present in particular cultures and even geography because, you know, you got to thank those cheap flights from Jetstar. Um, yeah, so it does, you know, educate people a lot more on what the food really is like. But I think it's a double-edged sword because it also gives people the false confidence to be able to start a restaurant with a cuisine or multiple cuisines and not really do it as well as the original and be like, oh, this we're amazing. Um, you know, it's an elevated take on Balinese food, you know. And you're not at all about elevating the take. You just want to get it, the, the authentic experience as you write about so beautifully in uh, Raised by Wolves. Jess Ho, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. Thank you for having me. And Jess's memoir is called Raised by Wolves. Uh, they're also the host and producer of the podcast Bad Taste. Uh, and Jess will be in conversation with visual artist Jason Fu at the Perth Festival in a session called Food Fight. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.